Cool. Okay. So I am really excited for today's podcast. Um, I have um, the very amazing and wonderful uh, Beck and Bree. Um, Hannon, am I saying your surname right? Hannon? Yeah. You know what's funny is every podcast I start like this. I'm like, oh, I've got this person. And I'm like, wait, did I say your name right? Almost <laughs> every time. And what's funny is I've usually talked to them for like 10, 15 minutes beforehand to like preamble. And then I'm like, wait, did I say your name right? And so I'm calling myself out as I start this podcast. And I nailed it. You know what? I've almost nailed it every time. And then people are still like, yeah, you said it right. And I'm like, damn it. Why did I even say that? So <laughs> I mean, here we are. Um, now, this is going to be a really, really, um, really great podcast. I'm really excited about it. It's one of the ones I've been most excited to do. We actually recorded one uh, uh, earlier on in the year and the recording uh, died. So we, we are refilming. Um, and so thank you so much for coming back for that. Could you guys just um, maybe introduce yourselves real quickly? Um, who you are, you know, what you're about, I don't know. Um, I'm Beck. Uh, Beck is a nickname short for Beckett. Um, I am uh, married to Brie, and uh, I, I, I identify as bisexual or queer, um, and I am a trans man. My pronouns are he, him, and, um, and I am Brie. I am married to Beck, and I am a queer woman. And um, that's me. And if you're watching this, this is our dog, Charles Wallace. Charles Wallace. I'm really glad that you both agree that you're married to one another. That was a, yeah. that was a, it's helpful. It's a cornerstone for marriage. Together, I think is that yeah. we both are consensual. We're like, yeah, I, think, I think we'll do this marriage thing. <laughs> it's so funny. Right. <laughs> Cool. Um, so the reason, um, I, you know what, we, we, so we both went to um, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. Um, and I think actually, Brie, we were in the same class for one of the years. I think uh, so, yeah. But a massive school we'd ever met. And so actually, the first time I even came across you or heard of you was only a few months ago. And I'm like, out of Bethel, like six years or something, you know, it's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, so uh yeah, I, and I came across you because I read a fantastic article that you wrote, um, which caused a lot of controversy. Um, I do not regret sharing it, but a lot of people did not like that I shared it. Um, yeah. And it was an open letter to Bethel about um, the LGBT community and how Bethel are interacting with them. Can you share a little bit about your heart behind why you wrote that and um, what it was about? Um, Maybe yeah. that kind of like would just give people a good introduction. It's the introduction I had to you, uh, and so maybe that might help people um, who yeah, haven't read that letter. Um, Beck and I wrote the letter together, but it is kind of in my voice. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely something that we worked on together. We worked on it for several months. Um, the first rendition was a lot less kind, and <laughs> every rewrite got better up until the very last last moment when I was sending it to the person that posted on the blog, I was like, you know what, this last sentence about brainwashing, I can take that out. Oh. Um, that's not necessary to say. Um, I'm glad it, other people do that as well, not just me. <laughs> my emails have like three different, even just tiny Facebook comments, there's like three iterations. Or Yeah, yeah. Um, but the reason that we wrote the letter was because when we were in school, when we were at Bethel, they talked so much about how we didn't have to agree to be family that god wasn't asking us to be together because we all believed the same things but because we were family yeah. and um and i thought like i saw that demonstrated pretty well while i was in, in school they'd have speakers come in that didn't have the same exact theology that our leaders did they really wanted us to 
think for ourselves and approach the Bible um, honestly and, um, and with questions. With questions, yeah. And uh, so when we left Reading, um, where the school was in 2014, I felt like really. Oh no, my alarm's going off. I felt very much like we were leaving on a good note. I felt like a child of the house being sent out. And um, a couple years later, realizing that I was uh, queer, that I was in love with my best friend, who I also met at school back right here, um, and then us like coming out and um, getting engaged and everything. Uh, around that same time, I started to see all this stuff come out of Bethel that was um, sermons and teaching series and uh, blog posts and all this stuff that was very, um, it was anti-LGBT and it was not kind and it wasn't respectful and it was really painful for me to see because I had always been told that we didn't have to agree to be family but the way that the LGBTQ plus community was being spoken about was so, it was way more than we disagree. It was, we were being dehumanized. We were having our experiences rewritten and um, we were being told we didn't have connection with Holy Spirit or that we, you know, we had a steered conscience and uh, it it was just like not respectful or honoring. and in in my mind, I would I, I thought how do I say it? Like I feel like there should be room for different perspectives at the table, mm-hmm. and that even when we disagree, we should still be able to be respectful and loving towards each other. Yeah. And that's a core value I got from Bethel. Yeah. So watching the leaders who taught me that then go completely against that I just that just like messed me up like that's Mm. not right at all and I you know I could have just you know we could have just written them off and said oh well you know they're not who we thought they were not they're not who we thought they were and you know they're just grumpy old men or whatever um but I wanted to actually like give them a chance yeah and I, I had a lot of hope for mm-hmm. them. Um, and I thought maybe they just don't get it. Maybe they don't see because yeah. Bethel is very bubbled. Mm-hmm. So we, that's where we came from with writing the letter was um, just this heart to say, hey, here's what you said. Here's why it feels re- disrespectful and dehumanizing. And um, you really need to clean up your mess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and- yeah. And there was nothing in it that said, you know, your theology needs to be different and, and look like ours, or we need to agree on this. But rather mm-hmm. it was, you know, when we're in a place where, you know, we've got all these different members of the family, and even though we're different, we're still able to come to the table and have this conversation, then we're able to get somewhere. But when you say, no, we get to determine what the table is, you don't get to be part of the conversation. And, you know, over and over again, we've seen that Bethel literally basically excludes anyone that disagrees with them on this topic, where you can't be a member if you disagree um, of the church, or, you know, you can't really yeah. be on staff. People have been fired for being queer or um, threatened with being fired even just for disagreeing on this. You know, there's all these, like, 
you know, sort of barriers in place where it's like, if you disagree, you don't get to be part of the people making decisions. So even if they would say, well, you're still part of the family, maybe, which I've never heard them actually say, Mm -hmm. you don't get to have any power in the conversation. You don't get to like have an equal seat at the table to talk about it because you're obviously, you've given yourself over. So you don't have a conscience. You don't have, you know, you can't add to it apparently. So, so it was definitely a response to say, Hey, at the very least, we need to be able to sit together and you need to hear our stories and, and be able to incorporate that into this conversation. Cause it was very much this monolithic, there's the gay people out there in nightclubs sort of um, narrative. And there are tens of thousands of, you know, queer Christians out there that like, you know, have a very strong relationship with God and are gay or trans or, you know, otherwise queer identified. And to just completely write off all of their stories and say, mm. no, that doesn't exist. And, and kind of tell this story as if, you know, those people don't exist is really disrespectful, I think, to, you know, to them and, and to uh, the queer community at large to paint it as if it's like, well, all you care about is sex, which is like mm-hmm. completely yeah. Um, so no, I, yeah. That's, that's really good. And I, I've actually, I've seen on your website, I've looked through your website and um, I've seen that, you know, there's people that have like, um, you know, uh, people that are queer that have saved sex for marriage, you know, things like yeah. this, um, yeah. that would probably totally fly in the face of a lot of Christians narratives. Cause this isn't just yeah. Bethel, uh, you know, this is, this is widely um, an evangelical view and, and even, um, yeah, I would say that nine times out of ten on this, Bethel are probably just being drafted along with this is what the majority of as what we right. recognize as Christianity believes. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't you say, you know, that's probably yeah. fair? And um, yeah, and it's interesting because at this point, it's m- more than anything the white evangelical church. Mm-hmm. A lot of the rest of the church, I think about 50%, are actually of the opinion now that like gay marriage should be accepted in society. Wow. Maybe not in the church, but at least like they're at a point where they say, you know what, that's their decision, you know, it's fine. And, but the white evangelical church has been pretty behind on even that, like accepting that mm. it's in society. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So can we, can we, um, cause I, I think you, you talked about how, you know, there's not really an opportunity to, to sit down and have a conversation, um, yeah. uh, with, with maybe Bethel, but probably even in general Christian white evangelicals, um, as you would, you know, t- title that kind of group, um, there's not really an option to sit down and have a discussion and go, Hey, can you see how we see this differently? And yet we can probably still get moved forward. Um, you gave a really, really good example of how Bethel do this really well in the article. And I thought maybe you could kind of, um, just show what that looks like and how perhaps it could look like, uh, for people of LGBTQ plus community. Um, you understand what I was mentioning in that, the, the one about women in ministry or women in leadership or giving women a voice, right? Sorry. I was being very vague there. Um, (laughs) But yeah, could you talk a bit more about that maybe? Yeah, so it's like, one of the reasons that we brought that up was because Bethel has started to, you know, I would say maybe in the last five to 10 years, like when we were there, I would say it's kind of when it seemed like it started was to start to champion women in ministry more. To say, okay, I know over here, Paul said, women shouldn't speak in church and that, which is often used to defend a non-egalitarian relationship in the church where men get to have the power and the say and women have to submit basically, um, more of a complementary mindset. And, you know, I think Chris was one of the main champions of that saying, yeah, he wrote a book on it. Yeah. Mm. uh, Saying, you know, I know Paul said that, but you know, here's the thing, like women need to be given equal place in the church. And I would say in some ways, Bethel still promotes more of a complementary relationship between men and women in relationships, but they're kind of in between, you know, in some places they've really, you know, they'd be considered very progressive in an egalitarian sense. And in other places they might 
uphold more traditional gender roles in a marriage. But even there, I think they would say the woman isn't just submitting mindlessly to her husband. She has equal say in the marriage. You know, if there was abuse, I'm sure they would say, you know what, divorce is, is probably okay here. So they've kind of, they've found this place where even where Jesus says, you know, God hates divorce, and even where Paul says women can't speak in church, they've gone against that. They've decided that that's not right and that, you know, there's a better way. Yeah. And so we really challenged that specifically because we said, okay, in the Old Testament, we kind of, you know, don't follow any of those laws anymore. So we can throw out those verses on homosexuality for the people who don't think that that's important. And then all we've really got left is Paul. Mm-hmm. And so if Paul was anti-women speaking in the church and was also saying, well, really the best thing is for no one to get married, period. Well, then really shouldn't we all be celibate? Like if we're going to follow Paul's advice for marriage, yeah. right? Um, Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. So it was kind of a challenge to say, okay, you know, if you're able to explore the scripture and come to this really honest place where you've done all this work and said, you know what, I do believe that women should be in ministry. And I think that's mm-hmm. right. And I think that's what God wants. But then you can pick up the Bible and say, well, it seems obvious enough to me it says homosexuality, which Chris literally said in sermons. It's like, why does this not get, why does this not deserve the same attention and respect? And to the thought that like, wow, this is real people, this is affecting, to go through and to examine those scriptures. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good. And and I imagine, um, you know, you, you, I, I have zero doubt that you have studied this much more than I have because you have some serious skin in the game, you know, but um, I'd imagine, you know, the same with women in, in ministry and leadership positions, having a voice. Um, there's a myriad of different paths that people can take to get there. Um, right. You know, so some people go, oh, well, that's just Paul's opinion. And, you know, it's, it's opinion. And so we can kind of put it to side or some people go, oh, well, you know, it's because of this context. It's to do with being an ethicist. And, it's because, yeah. and then other people go, well, actually, I'm not sure I believe that. But maybe if you put a comma here, it would change, you know, and yeah. uh, wow, maybe he's quoting something or, you know, and, and so there's lots of different ways that people approach some of these different um, difficult yeah. scriptures. Um, and would that be the same for people that find that they can, um, and I don't want to make this podcast about theology, um, yeah. but. Um, I just, I'm just interested in maybe my viewers would be interested to know, is there, is there just kind of one set way that, that um, the LGBTQ community kind of can go, okay, this is how it's okay. We just do this. Or is yeah, actually a bit more complex. Okay. Yeah. And something that's interesting to know, because I think a lot of your listeners and viewers might not realize this is even within the Christian queer community, there's two groups, um, the two broad groups, there's side A and side B. Okay. Those are broad generalizations. Yeah. There's definitely way more, um, there's way more diversity in yeah. how the, the scriptures are understood or, um, you know, homosexuality is placed within the context yeah. of that. Um, kind of yeah, the biggest, if, like, if you want to explain side A and side B, though, I feel like that helps illustrate, like, the yeah. fact that there is theological discussion, even yeah. with this is the just queer the Christian biggest, community. The biggest difference. So, um, and that, yeah, I was always going to mix them up. So side A uh, is how we would describe ourselves. So it's like, we see, we don't see any reason that people shouldn't be able to be in same-sex relationships. Yeah. Um, Being gay is okay. And yeah. God is blessing yeah. relationships. And like specifically ours. sexual conduct is okay in that context. Mm. Where side B might say, and there's a lot of variation, but it might say, it's okay to identify as gay because they would say, well, I am born this way, but, and God made me this way, but that just means I have to choose to be celibate because I don't right. believe the, the sex acts are okay. Mm-hmm. Or I choose to be in a relationship with someone of the same gender, but we don't have sex. You know, we don't have any intimacy. Right, okay. But they're my life partner because I'd rather have that than not have anything or than be in a heterosexual marriage. Or they might decide to be in a, what they call a mixed orientation marriage. So one of the people is gay and the other, people, the other person is straight and they are opposite sex, 
but that, you know, that person has been very open and said, hey, I am gay, but I don't think that I should mm. be in a relationship with someone of the same gender, so mm. I, I want to be in this. And they, you know, usually they love each other, but they don't have the same sure. kind of um, attraction or um, they might have sex, but it's not necessarily that, you know, exciting for, for both of them because they don't have that, that connection where they're both sexually attracted to each other. Right. So um, there's all variation of, of what they choose to do, but side B is basically that the sex is not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a variation with, usually they're side B rather than like what would be called side X, which is just completely non-affirming. You can't identify as gay because it's against who God made you to be. Yeah. Or mm. this, is how you, who, this is how you were born mm-hmm. is, is poss- possible belief with side X, but that can be changed. Right. I think that's the right. side X is yeah. that can be changed. Right. So it's, you know, there's normal sexual desire, which is only opposite sex. And then there's everything else. And so, you know, if you have other attractions, then it's a, a struggle that you're dealing with of same-sex attraction. Mm-hmm. It's not who you are. It's a struggle, and you need to overcome it. Yeah, so which that's, that's be, kind of three categories. That would mostly describe that whole stance, yeah. as far as I understand it. Yeah, they would typically describe someone as struggling with same-sex attraction um, mm-hmm. rather than calling them gay. Or yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. And now I think about it, you know, uh, I can probably think of different people I know that identify in each group and I can, from an outside perspective, watch and go, oh, okay, that's how that impacts them. That's how it affects them. You know, I, I know someone that um, uh, is in uh, uh, an opposite sex relationship, but identifies and their, and their, their wife, I think, sorry, I'm trying to remember uh, the, the couple now, but I, I remember the story, but I can't remember the people. Uh, isn't that too true? Um, but yeah, and, and, and that was tough. I remember ministering to this this uh, man, and, and he was saying, I'm really struggling because I don't, I'm not physically, I love my wife, amazing, and they had kids together, but I, I have never from beginning to end, and yeah, and that's tough. But so let me ask you this then, so, because that's some very diverse positions, you know, even within yeah. the, the, that community, there's people that are going, well, yeah, I, I, this is who I am, but I could be changed and that's wrong. Or yeah, this is who I am, but it's, it's wrong. There's something wrong with, you know, um, acting on it. Um, and then there's people that go, no, this is great and it's fine. And, and obviously those are very conflicting opinions. So within the, um, the different uh, communities of uh, Christians that find themselves LGBTQ+, plus, um, how, how do they navigate it? Because I can imagine there's people that have different views on even just women and ministry or, or a whole host of things that they don't play well. I mean, this is our, our Christian heritage is oftentimes um, when we're told to love one another, we don't play well. Um, and so does that happen within that community, this community? It's definitely a point of tension, but it's kind of beautiful the way that, so there's a, a huge group, they just changed their name, but for a long time they were um, the Gay Christian Network. And they just changed it to Q Fellowship or something like that. Q Christian Fellowship? Something like that, yeah. To kind of make it more inclusive because they're like, it's really not just gay people, right? They've got trans yeah. people. Gay is not an all-encompassing <laughs> word that involves, <laughs> it includes bi and trans. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. So it's like, they're like Q for kind of queer and for questioning and for, you know, just to, to, to make it feel more but but it's really interesting because they host a, a huge gathering every year and they have like smaller groups that will meet up as like home groups and stuff like that and they're very much like they very much hold space for side a and side b to worship next to each other i mean they, they try and um sorry <coughs> 
they try to make space for even like all different worship styles. You know, they'll bring in people from all different places. You know, they'll mix up like some gospel with some more traditional liturgical music and hymns with like some contemporary and maybe even Bethel stuff, you know. And, and it's just really interesting because they're everything they're doing is to say, we know that we have all these differences in denomination and even in our theology on, on what it is to be queer and what God's okay with and what God's not. And yet we're all gonna come together and worship together and, and listen to these different speakers together who even the speakers will have different opinions and do workshops and all of this. And it's like, there's this sense of it's okay. You know, we're still family and we, you know, we still need to be together. And I think one thing they would agree on for the most part, even though they have those differences of theology is the harm that's done um, by the church in general to queer people um, in terms of, you know, the ways that the, you know, like even like your friends in a mixed orientation marriage, I imagine they didn't have a lot of people in the church that they could go to and feel like they could talk about that because um, a lot of people that are in either mixed orientation marriages or that are celibate and gay, you know, one of the stories with, with those people is that like they've, they've kind of decided or agreed that like, okay, yes, this is how I am, but you know, I basically don't get to have a loving, intimate relationship with someone yeah. in life. And, and that even though they're making that choice, in a way, they also believe very firmly that, you know, it isn't really a choice in a sense, because that's what God, they feel like God has told them. And so it's this really difficult place that they're in where they, they feel like this, but like nobody really knows how to support them. Mm -hmm. um, and you see a similar, similar thing in general with like singles in the church, where it's sort of like everyone's waiting for them to get married before they can really have their place. You yeah. know, there's between the young adults and then like the married people. And then it's like, well, what about people who don't? you know yeah. so it's kind of a similar need that does especially since paul said that was the ideal I'm like <laughs> right? that's weird yeah. mm -hmm. anyways, that's um, a side note yeah definitely like i really admire the way that they're able to do family with all of those different kind of theologies and even have speakers and know that you know they're going to come yeah. from different viewpoints and that that's okay it um, makes me think of what i imagine the early church looked like yeah because as a as a religion Christianity coming on the scene it was kind of like it seemed like all the other religions that were around were very ethnic centered mm. and then all of a sudden you have Christianity which is Jews and Gentiles and um you know you're bringing people in people from all over and, it's like, yeah. uh -huh. and they all have different cultures and languages and they're coming from different religious backgrounds and like their gatherings were very diverse feeling yeah. you know i doubt they agree on every single little theological or cultural all understood each other yeah <laughs> like at the basic level yeah. like they might not have literally spoken the same language and yet they were all drawn to you know this group and to the thing that they were like thinking about and talking about and engaging in and it's like to be able to do that it like it tells you that there's mm -hmm. something greater that's drawing you together yeah. than just agreement right um yeah so. So, so let's, can we talk about that a bit? Because, um, so in my head, okay, I, I'm kind of, I'm trying to picture the different groups that probably are, are listening to this or watching this. Um, yeah. And um, it's probably in the same way that you're recognizing that like, there's probably quite a spectrum of people that find themselves within um, the, the term kind of LGBTQ Christian. There's probably... Um, a, a very broad spectrum of people that find themselves saying, well, I'm not LGBTQ, but I'm Christian, right? So, um, yeah. and, and there's probably people that say, yeah, because I'm a real Christian, not like them, you know, right? So that's like the, the yeah. furthest sort of thing of like, well, they're just completely heretics wrong. They're not Christian. I'd, I'd reject that they, the notion that they even talk to Jesus or, you know, because if they did, they'd be changed or different, you know? And so that's kind of one extreme from on one side. 
Um, and, and understandable that people um, feel that way, having been brought up in certain environments, reading the Bible a certain way. All, all this whole spectrum is understandable in a sense. And so this, you know, for me to paint this picture of a spectrum, I'm not saying that one or another is, is you know, stupid or wrong or anything. But on the full other end of the spectrum, you probably have people that completely um, affirm, accept, uh, and, and embrace uh, uh, LGBTQ uh, Christians and, and to be honest with you, they probably know uh, much more than I do, and uh, will be able to um, probably parse this podcast much better. And maybe they don't even need to listen to this podcast. But there's that whole spectrum, and in the middle, there's different people. There's people that go, "Well, yeah, it's wrong, but I would love to love well. I'd love to connect well. I'd love to make them feel loved." And and um and and then there's you know like what people going, "Well, I'm told it's wrong, but I don't really see how." Um, and so I'd really love to understand where they're coming from because maybe they are seeing something in scripture that I'm not. And, you know, so there's lots of different views. And that's, again, me just painting very broad strokes. I'm sure there's lots of people that find themselves going, well, actually, I'm kind of a bit between A and B. Or, um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so maybe we could talk about some of these these kind of avatars, if we, if we call them. You know, you've got um, maybe people that um, want to uh, be affirming. Uh, we could talk about them. First of all, like, uh, what's, what's the best way that they can connect to the LGBTQ Christian community that, that, that follows through on their desire to affirm, to, um, to, to be pro-LGBTQ, you know, to, to uh, whatever that looks like. You know, I'm, I'm lost for words a little bit, but yeah. I, I would just throw in, um, which kind of like touches mm. a lot of the different avatars that you mentioned, that Paul talked about... Um, you remember his section where he talks about food sacrifice to idols? Yeah. Some people were like, I feel fine doing this. I don't see why there's a problem. This is delicious food. And other people were like, no, that's awful. You can't do that. And the, that was, that was a huge rift, but mm -hmm. the solution that was presented for them was like, well, everybody needs to follow their own convictions. Mm. Because this is a, this is a gray area here. Um, we don't have a definite, like Jesus didn't mention food sacrifice to idols. So even though for some of us, we're like, oh, well, you know, it's really obvious that this would be a horrible thing to, you know, you can't take part in that. And for other people, they're like, why are you being so legalistic? There's no, you know, just food or, you know, um, Paul was like, everybody just go with your own convictions. And the only yeah. caveat to that was don't do something that makes your brother stumble. Yeah. Mm. Um, so if you're having dinner and you feel fine eating food sacrificed to idols, but you know that really, really, really makes your brother feel uncomfortable. Yeah, going to be like, here's your dinner. We're <laughs> <laughs> telling afterwards, like, got you, but, you know, now, oh, well, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's like trying to convert a vegan by, you know, serving them steak or something. <laughs> yeah, sneaking steak into something, telling them afterwards. Um, no, like, do do what you feel is best for you and do it with kindness and a thoughtful influence for the people around you. And respect mm -hmm. that other people have different yeah. experiences. And I, I get this feeling from a lot of people that are kind of in the middle theologically where they're not sure what they think yet and they're trying to figure it out that um, it's as if they think all of us LGBTQ plus Christians are waiting to see what they think about our marriage. Mm. And I actually don't really care what they think about my, my marriage. And honestly, I think that they probably don't care what I think about their marriage yeah. because it's none of my business. Um, and, and I think it's important for people to realize, like, as, as we're looking at these scriptures, this is a big, you know, gray area theologically. And that's not just, a queer person making that up like yeah there are lots of theologians mm -hmm. who 
have actually like done a lot more research and study than any of us have. And they're like, you know, there are definitely different ways to, to understand this. And there's definitely different ways to understand how this should be applied today. So this is a gray area. So when we're looking at the scriptures, um, if we walk away feeling like acting on same sex desires is a sin, then don't act on same sex desires. (laughs) Don't try to make it illegal for someone else to like follow their own convictions, you know? Um, yeah. Anyway, that's just a side note though. Yeah, no, that's really, really helpful. Yeah, it's good. And yeah, put the conversation in perspective because I'm, I'm not sitting on the sidelines waiting for people to make up their minds to tell me if, if they approve of my marriage or not. I really don't Mm. care. (laughs) I, I just think that we should all see it, but you know, I feel like it's like, we all need to do our own honest searching. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, really, we're just deciding for ourselves what we feel like is right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people struggle with, you know, well, there's verses about calling the, your brother out when he's in sin or different things like that, right? And I, I think that there's a, a place for that. But I think that often the way that it's done is more of a, you know, it's mostly gossiping about the person and then sort of just casting them out of the group rather than a direct conversation. Yeah. You know, like honest yeah. and challenging, but also respecting of the other person and hearing their story and seeing where things are at. Now, obviously, if there's really clear abuse that's happened, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. that's going to be a conversation than if people just really disagree strongly and it's causing a lot of, like, turmoil. Um, but I think this is an area, like Bree said, where there is no clear, like, Jesus yeah. didn't sit down one day and say, oh, yeah, and being gay is great. You know, there isn't anything. And so yeah. it's just that the very best, I think, you know, um, the model the Bible had was if it's, you know, the, if it's not in scripture very much, then I'm not going to talk about it. And they've suddenly made this a very big pet thing. And a lot of churches have done that because it's been politically very uh, tense subject. And so many people are like, well, your church teaches like the true way of traditional marriage, right? You know, people kind of be challenged, like they'll be wondering. And you say, no, we don't sell our young nine-year-old girls to other (laughs) people. No, we, we don't do that traditional biblical method. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let the man divorce the woman and let the woman have no say. And, but, yeah. yeah, you don't allow concubines or multiple wives. Man, <laughs> I, I'm so happy for that. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, it's it's like I, so. To get back to your original question, I think for people that are in that place where they're like, I think I want to move towards that place of maybe being affirming, but I'm just not sure what to do with all of it. Yeah. Um, definitely go on your own journey. I think one of the biggest things you can do is incorporate a healthy amount of hearing different perspectives on theology. Mm-hmm. And it's not just queer people that are like, see queer positive perspectives in scripture. There's a lot of, yeah. you know, very high, yeah. high, end, high level theologians that, have, you know, they have their PhDs or whatever, and, and they're cisgender and heterosexual. And they're, they're to like, define this term, cisgender is yeah. a term that just means you're not trans. Yes. If when you were born, the doctor said it's a boy, and to this day, you still feel like a boy, you're cisgender. Yeah. Same for girls. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> um, I always forget that. I know it's, it's weird. Um, but yeah, so, so it's like there, there are people out there that they have no skin in the game in terms of yeah. identity, mm-hmm. attraction, gender. Um, but the guy that wrote on clobber and did yeah. the talks on YouTube that are excellent. Yeah, um, he's, he's a cisgender straight guy. Yeah. Okay. He has personal beef in this game you know yeah but it's like for him it was like as he started to honestly look at it he started to realize wow okay for one this isn't very clear and then for two there's a lot of history here that like needs to be unpacked to understand these scriptures so there are a lot of people there so i recommend like just find a diversity of opinions Mm -hmm. um 
you know, not, oh, just go look for the affirming stuff, but look at like, okay, the people that are not affirming, what are their arguments and kind of balance those against each other. But yeah. the other thing is really listen to queer people's stories. And one of the reasons that we created our website, well, originally we created it because it was our wedding invitation and then it got repurposed. <laughs> yeah. um, but now it's a resource for queer people of faith to tell their mm. stories. And so um, there's a, a transgender guy who is a Christian and he has his like, I think it's his master's in like theology or something like that. And he let her, like he talks about, you know, what does scripture mean to him as a trans person and, and all these, it's just really fascinating. So we have like his YouTube channel, we share some of his stuff, but we also have a lot of individual stories. Like you were talking about, there's a couple, they're actually in Portland. Um, we've chatted a bit with them and it's like, they decided that they were gonna save sex for marriage. Mm. Even though they're a gay couple and to most Christians, they're like, well, that doesn't matter because they're already sitting anyways with being gay. <laughs> Together, um, they were like, well, it doesn't, like this is our personal conviction. Mm. So that was a choice that they made. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's a lot of people that are really surprised to hear that they're gay couples that get married and never have sex because they're like, mm. I would still rather be with you. I mean, that's a part of Bray and I's story. When we started dating, we were still figuring out how do we feel about that? We were just like, I know I want to be with you. And even if, we get to a place where we realize, okay, we don't feel good about that. We'd still rather be together for the rest of our lives and just not have sex with yeah. anyone than, you know, than, you know, give up this relationship just so that we can have sex with someone. Yeah. So I, I can understand that because I was in that place where I was like, I would totally give that up yeah. for this, you know, and, and some people could not do that. And I don't think that that's a good measure to say, well, well, why doesn't everyone just do that? Yeah. Mm. Um, because I think it's really unfair to ask that of someone. It is really unfair to take the story that one person shares and try and apply that to other queer people. Yeah. Say, yeah. oh, well, you know, Jimmy, he realized he was gay after he was married to Grace. And so, um, but they're, they just decided that they're fine staying married. They're in a mixed orientation marriage and that works out, um, for them. So that means that that should work for all of everyone else. Like right. sometimes like we have a friend who found out that he was gay after he had, you know, been married, had two or three kids, and they realized the best thing for them, the best thing for them as individuals, the best thing for their family was for them to get divorced. Yeah. They're yeah. like super good friends, yeah. and they're, they're still, together. yeah, they're still co-parenting, yeah. and I think, like, don't they want to, like, no, maybe I'm mixing stories. I was going to say they wanted to get, like, a, a ranch, yeah, that's, that's a different yeah. story that's similar, <laughs> but, um, like everybody's journey is so unique yeah. and um, I just, as you're going through and listening to people's stories, I just really want to encourage you to like engage your, your curiosity because yeah. the more genuine curiosity you have, the more you're actually going to just like listen for the sake of listening and understanding that person's experience oh. and that person's story. Yeah. Um, don't don't simply listen because you're trying really hard to just take in information so that you can like make a judgment make it yeah so you can make a judgment yeah treat them as an individual like if you're if you're on our page and you're or anywhere and you're and you're listening to these people's stories pretend that this is a real person that you're sitting across mm. from treat this person as an individual yeah. you know listen the same way that you would care about like a friend that you're meeting for coffee mm -hmm. <coughs> I'm trying to time that well so it's easier. That's, that was really well timed. Yeah, no, that's really, really helpful. And and you guys have some great resources on your website. We'll, we'll probably go through those at the end, kind of different resources yeah. for people. Um, yeah. But, you know, 
I think educating and, and humanizing people is really important because I think for a lot of Christians, we live in a bubble sometimes. We go to church, we go to prayer meeting, we do the youth service, we do, you know, and when we have people come over, it's people from church and, you know. Our, Christian radio and only wear Christian t-shirts. And- right. I mean, and for some of us, we work in the church or in ministry, yeah. so we don't even expose ourselves to, you know, maybe the, the most important people to, to change their opinions, uh, if they were to do that, would be. Um, or to at least open up that communication are stuck in church because they're the pastors or the leaders or something like that. So they're really not exposed to people um, who have these different uh, persuasions, uh, views, uh, identities, all these different things, theological ideas. Um, And so that I think would be huge because what it does is it humanizes you, doesn't it? You start to realize, oh, wow, there's a person behind this view. It's not just a theological idea. There's an actual person, a living person. and yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, um, that's really, really helpful. Now for people that, um, maybe are, um, I would imagine you'd say the same thing to people that are quite strongly against, um, you know, the, the position that it's okay to be LGBTQ, um, it, it, educate yourself, expose yourself to different, um, you know, theologies, people, um, humanize, etc. But, some people are just going to be like, no, you know, you can say what you want. You can expose me to whatever you want. But the truth is the Bible says X and that is the end of the story. Um, you know, and people do that about all sorts of topics, right? You know, I've had that when talking about, Hey, can we accept people that believe in Christian universalism or annihilationism? Because the Bible isn't as clear on hell as we'd like it to be. And mm-hmm. like, no, the Bible says, and I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah I, I don't know what to do, but okay. All I'm asking you is just don't kick out that person just because they disagree with you. Um, yeah. So someone that's in quite a, a rigid position on this topic, and there's going to be lots of people that are, and you've yeah. said already, you know, your goal isn't to change their opinion. Um, the goal is to start that communication, create a safe space. How, how, and, and maybe they do desire to, because I don't know anyone that desires to hate, uh, that I know of personally, I don't know desires to hate the LGBTQ community intentionally, you know, right. um, I'm sure that maybe at times they might be hateful in their actions unintentionally, but that, you know, they genuinely want to love the sinner, hate the sin as much as I hate that phrase, deeply mm-hmm. hate that phrase. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so people that are there going, well, I, I think they're, they're sinful, they're wrong, but I want to love them. What does that look like? How, how can they create um, a space where there's room for conversation and, and yeah. such? I would- I would start by pointing out that there, um, there's definitely room for that belief in the church. There's room for, um, you know, you being honest about your convictions is really important and that has value and you should be welcome at the table just like everyone else. So I don't think anybody should be like kicked out or dehumanized or, or anything just for having that view. Um, I would say that often what I see is people don't just have that view but they take a step beyond that and they start becoming abusive. Um, and here's, here's what, I, what I mean by that. If you say, when I look at the scriptures and I've done some deep study and you know, honestly, if I mean in, intellectually honest with myself and honest about what my conscience is telling me, honest about what I feel Holy Spirit is telling me, this just looks black and white to me, homosexuality is a sin, um, if that's your, if that's you being honest when you say that, then good on you. Like that's, that's your honest opinion. And that's where we would disagree, but we can still be friends and still be family. Mm. Um, when you say that everyone who disagrees with that is, um, 
they no longer have the ability to hear Holy Spirit, hmm. you've just crossed the line there. Yeah. Uh, when you say, I've experienced same-sex attraction, so I know what you're experiencing, as in uh, um, whatever I experienced is what you're experiencing now. Mm. That's gaslighting, which is a tactic that abusers use against their victims, mm-hmm. or they're trying to get their victims to question their own experience, question reality, mm-hmm. um, and you're putting that on them. And you, you know, a lot of times people haven't even asked for mm-hmm. <laughs> what was your experience, and you know, even if they did, there would be no honor there because the the accuser. In, in this scenario is saying, nope, whatever, whatever you say you experience is a lie. Like I'm telling you what you experienced and what you felt. Yeah. Um, uh, should I use my shrimp analogy or is that just stupid? I don't know what it is. So go for it. Okay. So if I'm going to, uh, I, I have this analogy that I like to think of, but I don't think I've ever said it out loud. So it might not come out. Very <laughs> um, but if a person looked at the scriptures and walked away going, you know what? I feel like we're supposed to not eat shrimp. I feel like the Bible is very clear about this. You know, um, in that, that rule shouldn't have been just thrown out because it's an Old Testament, blah, blah, blah. They have their theological reasons for feeling like shrimp is wrong to eat. Um, I, I would have to respect that and I wouldn't force them to eat shrimp. Yeah. Um, and if uh, they decide not to eat shrimp, then I'd be like, that's your, your prerogative. And I'm glad that you're following your convictions. Now, if they took that a step further and said, everyone that's ever eaten, eats shrimp, you know deep down that what you're doing is wrong. <laughs> that's not right anymore. That's gaslighting. That's trying to rewrite people's experience and tell them that they're feeling something or thinking something that they're not. If they said, you know, people that eat shrimp, they're basically just pedophiles because if they say yes to that desire that they have inside them to eat shrimp and they can't even say no to that, then they can't, they don't have any self-control at all. So they, they're going to just like do whatever they want. They have no self-control. Steal things. Yeah. Like you got to be careful about those those shrimp eaters because they're horrible, horrible (laughs) people. Um, That would be wrong to, to make that statement or uh, to tell people, you know, if you eat shrimp, then that is because like, um, you, you, you did hear the voice of God telling you not to eat shrimp before, which is gaslighting, but you just kept ignoring that voice and you kept eating shrimp over and over until finally God handed you over to your desires. And now you no longer feel conviction for eating shrimp because you feel fine when you eat shrimp. Yeah. That's why you don't feel conviction when you eat shrimp. It's because you have a seared conscience. And that's that's all the person is doing is saying, what my experience was, because usually it's their personal experience that they're kind of painting, must be everyone's experience. And really this is just lacking theory of mind, which is the ability to say, oh, other people experience the world in a way that's not the way I experience Mm. the world. Yeah. Right? So it's like, which another great example of of lacking theory of mind is uh, in understanding racism. So when a white person says, well, racism is not real, and then a bunch of people of color say, well, here's the experiences I've had. And they all just get wiped out because the white person is like, well, I don't see that. It's like, maybe that's because you have a different experience of the world mm-hmm. as someone who's not a person of color. You know, so it's, it's sort of this like, and, and the fact that like the, often the, the person that didn't have that experience has to be very gently like guided into this understanding of, well, maybe you, your experience isn't the only experience out there by the people that have experienced trauma is, is really backwards, right? And I think yeah. it's the same thing where 
honestly, I think the people that seem to be the most terrified, the most like vitriolic and, and we would say hateful, um, they're not just like, well, we disagree about this theology, but they really come after queer people and, and yeah. write narratives and say, well, this must be your story. They're always people that say at some point in there, well, I've struggled with same-sex attraction. And the thing is, if we show up and say, we've honestly explored this with God and come to a different conclusion than you, that feels very threatening to their experience. Yeah. Mm. And so at the end of the day, it's potentially, at least in somewhere deep in them, probably suggesting, well, what if everything I went through didn't have to happen? Or what if, what if that wasn't real? So it's like they, they're almost getting gaslit in return because mm-hmm. they only believe there can be one story. Yeah. Like or maybe they, has, yeah. So if they are wrong, if there's even a seed of doubt in their mind placed by our story, all of a sudden their whole experience, they're questioning, maybe, you know, yeah. and, and that's a theory we yeah. have it because it seems to be a very like a thing that suddenly sets them off where people that don't have any experience with any kind of attraction to the same sex tend to be a little more like, okay, I don't know, like, let me think about it. You know, it seems wrong to me, but yeah, I don't know. They seem more open to the idea that, you know, it could be less black and white. And maybe not even that, oh, well, they may have had some sort of experience of same-sex attraction or anything, but maybe, well, they're a pastor who kicked out that really influential family because they accepted their gay son. Or, oh, they are a, a mom who, like, turned her back on their, you know, uh, queer, you know, brother or whatever. Or or any of these kind of, like, things, I think, is, is what you put skin in the game. Like, we, we were talking, you know, about the hell issue, you know. For a lot of people, the reason they cannot let go of uh, the concept of eternal conscious torment and go, or even just hold on to it, but go, oh, it's okay that they don't believe that, is because it's the only reason they're a Christian. They actually don't really, and then that's not fair on at all for a vast majority of people that believe in their eternal conscious torment, but some people say, oh, actually, well, if you take away burning in hell forever and say everyone's going to go to heaven, or some people go to heaven, but some people will just cease to exist, forever, well, why would you become a Christian? And that just to me exposes why are you a Christian? Like, I mean, so much more to being a Christian Um, and people going, you know, like, um, well, you know, like if you say homosexuality is wrong, then the the deep narrative under the tone, you know, is not what they say at their mouth, but is, well, I was deeply, deeply wrong about dealing with my son that way. Or I was deeply wrong about um, focusing on changing myself and, and, and being in a really, a marriage I'm not even fully happy with and I'm you know or whatever the different various um, experiences are I think that's probably really true that we, we all have some level of experience that we're, we're, we're holding on to in this area of, of you know, maybe not all of us but most of us have been exposed to this world and a lot of people that a lot of people that uh come out it's we kind of refer, refer to it sometimes as coming out to yourself for people that realize, oh my God, I'm gay or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, or I'm trans, it, it's sort of this often like first realization you're to yourself and then you kind of share that with other people. Mm. Um, <coughs> and often in that process of coming out to yourself, it's this thing of like, oh, this is me. But even then, and for a lot of Christians, uh, in, in my and Bree's cases, being raised Christian, we definitely repressed a lot of that stuff until we were in our 20s. So we were really, you know, we were best friends on stuff for a long time and we didn't, you know, we never kissed. There was no kind of sexual mm. or romantic relationship. <coughs> um, but we like kind of repressed all of the stuff and that became very clear, especially to me, like when I would go back and look at like stuff I'd written even in my journal about like questioning things and then I just completely forget about it. And the thing is when you're raised in an environment that makes it very clear, even very subtly, 
Like, I don't mm. remember hearing things growing up about you can't be gay or you can't, you know, all these things. It's almost made it like untouchable on a different level because it was an unspoken it's thing. Tabitha. It was like mm. so bad that we don't even talk about it. Yeah, it's so obvious that it's it. wrong. Yeah. that we, we don't even need to say it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is funny when we talk about sin so much in the church, you know, we think like, but, but it's, you know, at least for us, it's like, we didn't really hear it that much. And, and I think when you're in that place, you know, you even as a person realizing, oh my gosh, I'm queer, you're going, I've done things that were unkind to queer people, Yeah. you know? Mm. And even that is really painful because it's all of a sudden, then you start to experience all of that if you, if you decide to come out to other people. And then you go, oh my gosh, this is what I was doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's so painful to, to realize that. And I feel like for people that especially have influence, like a pastor or someone like that, and they start to question, maybe I've been wrong. Mm -hmm. It's very easy for all of that fear to come up of all the things yeah. you've ever said from the pulpit or privately to people. You could have told some person, no, it is wrong to be gay and you need to repent or you're going to hell. And then they kill themselves. Mm -hmm. And you've got to live with that on your conscience. Mm -hmm. And so then if you realize you were wrong, well, then that's so much worse than just, yeah. <laughs> right? So it's like, it's like not only did, did I maybe provoke that response, mm -hmm. maybe I should have been kinder, maybe I should have been more gentle, maybe I should have said something differently, but now it's like, and maybe I was wrong even in that thing that I said. Mm -hmm. Maybe it wasn't even true. Not even, not even mentioning the fact that if you're in a church leadership position, then your career kind of rides on your theological standards. Yeah, absolutely. You piss off the wrong people, then you lose your job. And a lot of pastors, that's the only thing that they know how to do. It's the only thing they're trained for. Or in, in a lot of cases, um, we were talking to a pastor about like just where this, you know, how he related to this. And he's affirming, but you know, he was like, a lot of the time the pastor is going to be fine in the end. But a lot of these families that depend on him for their livelihood mm. would lose their jobs because mm. the church loses funding. So even if some of the people stick around, if it's a church where they think, well, maybe we'll lose half the people, but we'll be okay that still means a lot of people are losing their jobs. Yeah. They have to live with that then. And so it's like, there's no good answer because all of a sudden they're honestly questioning their doctrine. Yeah. No, you know, easy. You don't even have space to think. If you start questioning it, then people start thinking, oh no, you're falling away yeah. <laughs> or something, you know? Yeah. You're, you're becoming deceived. Yeah, because yeah, most of your safe people to talk to Mm -hmm. are very rigid as you maybe once were um so let me ask you a few questions i want to honor your time and, and we probably only have like sort of 10 minutes so um what what can someone in that position what, what are some like just really kind of base simple if, if you can ever make something simple um in human relationships but what are some like just do's and don'ts that have really worked well like you know maybe some people that have pastors leaders people in general just sitting down with you going hey I'd like to talk with you about this or you know they're trying genuinely to create conversation and and space to talk but maybe they really screwed up in some ways that really hurt you or upset you or or maybe just they themselves like put up a wall because of something they've never said um and what are some of the ways that like it just was really great it blessed you maybe surprised you how good it was um do you, do you have any sort of stuff on that, on that? Can we pause for yeah, this a second? Yeah, yeah, let's let's uh pause for a second. Okay, sorry. Um all right, sorry, we're back in uh 
Beck is alive. Uh, don't worry. Um, slight cough fit. Um, so the question was, you know, um, maybe if you could share some do's and don'ts for those that are again, quite rigid in, in this is absolutely wrong, but I do want to create some space. I want to create some room for us to have some sort of relationship, um, uh, to, to at least make you feel that you are loved. Um, what are some good do's and what are some maybe big time don'ts? Um, so one of the things, there's a group called Church Clarity. They have a whole website. And what they've done in the past year or so is basically worked to say, here's the thing. <clears throat> when you are a queer person and you're walking into a church um, or even looking at it to walk in for the first time, very often you have no idea what their stance is on mm. can a gay person walk in the doors and be accepted, you know, just sit in the pews and feel okay and safe. Um, can they volunteer in any capacity? Are they going to be told, no, you're, you, you know, maybe you can greet at the door if they're nice, but you can't like work in children's ministry because they see it as like perverted. Um, or maybe you can even do that. Maybe you can volunteer in a, in a bunch of different ways, but you can never be on the worship team because that's holy and you can't touch that. Or, mm. you know, maybe they would support you and say, oh, you're a part of our family. But then when you find a partner and you go to get married, all of a sudden they're like, oh, no, no, we would never do your wedding here. Mm. And yet, there's this concept of institutional betrayal, which is that <coughs> there's this concept of institutional betrayal where when, like, let's say, like, I have, you know, me and you, Phil, we have a relationship and, you know, we're friends and then all of a sudden you betray me, right? You do something that I don't expect and it violates my belief of, of who you are as a person. Yeah. And I feel, I feel, like, really upset and you've hurt me. That's one thing. But there's a different thing when an institution, whether that's a church <clears throat> or even broader, the government or something like that, <coughs> does something that, you know, violates your trust in them and your feeling of safety. And when that happens, there's a, a different layer of trauma that comes mm. with that. <clears throat> so if you hurt me in a personal relationship, maybe we talk it out, maybe we don't, maybe we get closure, maybe we don't. <clears throat> Maybe the relationship continues or not, but if an institution betrays you, there's. <coughs> oh, bless you. <laughs> if an institution betrays you, there's all these layers of trauma that often happen when they try to cover it up. So let's say sexual abuse happens in a church mm. and then, you know, the person denies it and they have more power than you and they're a man and you're a woman. And so not only were you abused, yeah. but now you're being abused over and over by finding out that the institution is also against you. Or every step of the way, we're yeah. like trying to cover it up or pretend it didn't happen or trying to gaslight you. And they found that in, in corporations, often when sexual assault happens, the victim gets fired so that they don't have to deal with it. Yeah. The wow. easiest thing, because the person with the least power is gonna put up the least fight, typically. <clears throat> and so <coughs> and so it's a safer option it's an easier option to just kind of tidy it up by shoving it under the rug getting rid of the victim right yeah. so when you walk into a church and there's no clarity on church policy on how they're going to interact with you as a queer person mm. you kind of have to go in assuming that they're going to be unkind but let's say they, they're like not affirming but they really want to treat you nicely and so they're being really great then all of a sudden something comes up that was a hidden barrier. And now you feel really betrayed. Yeah. Because you thought, well, everything was going great and you're even letting me greet people at the door. And I thought, you know, and they're like, oh, no, no, no. You know, like we would never let you do that. 
it's like, okay. You find out you're, you're, you're still a second class member of the church. Right. Mm. When up until that point, you thought that you were on equal footing. <coughs> yeah. So church clarity works to say, they're like, it's, it's at the base level, basic respect for people in the LGBTQ plus community is to be clear on your church policies. Yeah. Right. It's to say, you know, okay, do you do weddings do you, that are between two same gender partners? Do you mm. let people be on staff that identify as LGBTQ plus? You know, what are the rules? Do you let someone maybe be on staff if they identify as gay, but they're celibate? You know, everyone has different opinions. Yeah. At the very least, <clears throat> it should be on your website. It should be, you know, in your membership stuff. It should be very clear so that when a person is choosing to attend, <coughs> they get to make that decision. Yeah. And they know what decision they're making. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So rather than building that relationship and suddenly being betrayed one day. Yeah. And the thing is, the relationship is not balanced between queer people in the church. So for a queer Christian, or someone that's even interested in Christianity that's queer, or even that's questioning, right? They don't feel safe immediately walking in the door. You're the ones with the power. They're the visitor. You're the ones yeah. with the place. And so it's, it's to be honoring and respectful is actually to say, <clears throat> sorry, but we don't, we don't believe that it's right for you to have these positions. But here's, you know, here's the space we do want to make for you. Yeah. Um, and that's it. It's, it's not, you know, um, you don't have to put on your website. We think, uh, you know, that uh, because we want people to come in the church, we'll then have to have them do worship or children's ministry or this or that. But actually yeah. just being open enough to say, okay, look, here's the thing. We really want to make you feel welcome. We want to make you feel accepted. But the way we read the Bible, the, the conviction we have on our theology is that we would not... Um, as much as we can see into the foreseeable future, we will never have room for someone that is uh, identifying as LGBTQ um, to be in a, a leadership position or on staff. Um, if you're okay with that, we would love to have you as a part of our community. But if not, then this isn't going to be for you. That that must be really um, liberating to read and just and then be able to sit down and go, "Am I okay with that?" Yeah, um, so I can see that person that's queer is going to make a different decision. There are some people you know, they're, they're not even allowed to volunteer in any class. They don't even want them mm. to bring support, but they'll allow them to sit in the pew and, and they might be kind of disrespectful sometimes, but they have the grace to be there. And they're like, we want to be present anyway. And, and maybe that's because they're like, we want people to realize that we're normal people. <clears throat> yeah. We love God just as much as you do. And that we want to worship God and that, you know, we value the same traditions maybe as you. And I think making sure that if you, if you do that, that, you're honest about any areas where you're uh, actively discerning, where you're not mm -hmm. sure, you know, what you believe yet mm -hmm. as a church. And maybe even acknowledging that there are different groups in the church that disagree, but that yeah. the church policy is this. And to make sure that you state the positive, this is where we are welcoming. And this yeah. is where, you know, we do want you here. Yeah. Um, or we don't want you in this church period. That's, you know. We, we were talking to someone in a very non-affirming church and they were saying mm -hmm. they want to change things to make, it's so that uh, people in the LGBTQ plus community can feel safe coming in and being visitors or, um, you know, going to their healing rooms and that sort of thing. They want to actually like feel safe doing that, but the church is still not affirming. There, mm -hmm. There's still a, definitely a very low glass ceiling that they're going to hit very soon. Yeah. Uh, and the person was like, oh yeah, I want to put like a rainbow flag up to let them know that they're safe here. And I was like, that makes me happy that you want to do that, but that yeah. also makes me kind of terrified because what you're yeah. doing is you're kind of telling all the LGBTQ plus community that you're affirming and safe. Mm -hmm. 
and you're really not. Yeah. You're not in the way that the the people that are in that would actually it doesn't mean the same thing yeah, yeah it doesn't mean the same thing to them. when they see a rainbow uh, flag and all are welcome um then they might like they're going to take that to mean like i'm actually able to bring my whole yeah. self here, be an engaged member of the community just like everyone else and if you don't mean that then you've actually kind of lied to them um so yeah. i feel like ambiguity is that's the biggest thing yeah wow. it's just don't and then, don't be ambiguous and then in your clarity be respectful. One of the biggest things you can do to even just learn <clears throat> something that makes me feel respected is when someone doesn't refer to me as, I mean, one doesn't refer to me as a woman. This is not the way that I identify. You know, if they use the right name for me, the right pronouns, if they knew me before, they're not using the wrong name. They're not calling me she. Um, someone that, you know, tries to get around acknowledging that Brie and I are married. Um, mm. you know, saying, oh, I don't, you know, because they don't respect the relationship. Um, people that go out of their way to be kind of disrespectful it's like how would you feel if someone did the same thing to you you know if i made up uh, if you're oh wait this is your you're in jerry's second marriage like you've been divorced before and the first person's still alive oh yeah i <laughs> i love you guys but i just don't see you as a married couple I you know. <laughs> or just like kind of this like subtle but not really subtle like you know like assuming that like their name is like benjamin calling them like Benita, like you know, it's like it's like you're going out of your way to like disrespect, you know, their name or like mm -hmm. calling the wrong pronouns. I think it's like, assume you're, you know, if you're not queer, just imagine someone treating you like walking into a church and being married in a straight marriage, and them looking at the two of you like you're disgusting. Mm. Right? Imagine what that feels like, and imagine going to your pastor and saying, "Oh, we we would love to like serve in your worship ministry," and then going, "Uh, not like this, you're not." you know and they're looking at the love you have between you and your your spouse your wife or your husband going like Ugh. it's it hits another level of weird and creepy too when they're not even openly being like ooh. when they're more yeah. like being like i love you i just you know this marriage this isn't who you are yeah i don't you know this is just a thing this should end I'm, i'll pray for your marriage to end because yeah. i love they you they don't even say that it's like it's like this very obvious like <laughs> one person commented when we when we uh, started dating, or maybe when we started engaged, and they were like, "I'm praying for you both individually." You know, it's like going <laughs> things that make it really yeah. obvious that we disagree. We already know most yeah. people disagree, right? So that's really unnecessary. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're unaware of the Bible verses. Like pretty much any queer person, some people will just like, especially on like social media, yeah. they'll just like comment with the Bible verse. Yeah, I get that as well, and I'm like, wait, do you think I haven't read this? Or <laughs> Like, I'm like, are you expecting me to go, oh my god, that verse is in there? All right, I'm, I'm yeah. wrong. Like, oh, I'm going to get divorced right now. We met Forget at, you back. There's a Bible verse. <laughs> we met at Bible school, so. Maybe we fled the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's sort of this, try and reverse it as much as you can and imagine, okay, if I'm, if I'm, with, a, if I'm with a partner, even if you're just dating someone, or if you're not, and you just imagine if you were dating someone and you walked in and you got these looks, you got all these subtle hints that really you're not welcome, right? Yeah. You can say, oh, we're welcome. A lot of churches say that and they don't really mean it, right? They mean at the moment you walk in the door, we're going to be trying to change you. You're welcome to walk in the door. And then after yeah. that, you got to conform. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So the other thing is to understand that it's started to be very clearly demonstrated that non-affirming environments cause harm physically, mm -hmm. emotionally, mentally. Um, and spiritually. So you see that when someone is in a very non-affirming environment, their lifespan, if they're a queer person, is shortened by years on average. Wow. Um, whether that's because of suicide, because of homelessness, 
uh, about 40% of homeless youth in America are LGBTQ and only like maybe 5% of like the general population is. And so that tells you how often they end up either running away because they're not safe or often being kicked out by a parent. They don't. And and that's often teenagers. That's usually not younger than that because it's often when they realize, oh, I think I'm queer and come out. But most of the time that's Christian parents. So let me ask you this then. So you, you talk about, you know, it's really important to be in the affirming environment and so on and so forth. So let's imagine that, because um, I think this is really good stuff for like pastors and leaders, but let's imagine this is just um, someone that goes along to church and they, they, they do think, no, I don't think this is right. I do think it's a sin, but yeah. I do want to create a safe space. I do want to have a relationship. I do want to get to know people and love them well. But I know my church not going to be at safe space, yeah. and I don't want to shorten their life. So um, I'm not going to ask them to come along to church uh, or my church, and I'm happy with them going to their church wherever they're going, or, or you know, or whatever expression they believe um, the church can hold. So they want to just sit down and have coffee with you, or they want to connect with you. What what does that look like when we're not talking about maybe from an institutional perspective, but just in a relational one on one? You know, I'm sure you've experienced the whole spectrum of uh, good, bad, and ugly. Um, is there something you could say into that to like how to create a, a safe space and, and facilitate that relationship happening well? Because the thing as well, Bree, talk, touching on what you said, you know, I think so many people are just ignorant. They, they don't understand, you know, so maybe they don't understand some of the elements of pronouns and things like that. And maybe they don't understand. Uh, and I'm not asking you to explain it. I, I know that you've got stuff on your website. There's lots of stuff on the internet that can explain that. So people can educate themselves, but I think a lot of time people just have the right heart, but they really just face first face plant, you know, and I know I've done that with lots of things um, that I've been ignorant yeah. on. So what, what does that look like to, to do relationship really well? And, and then we'll maybe wrap up after that, but, Um, touch on that I think that'd be really helpful for a lot of people I think it's worth stating like whatever name the person uses for themselves whatever pronouns they want to be called however they identify with their sexuality whether it's bisexual gay whatever respect that yeah um that is baseline basic human decency um just like you know if, if you have a, a nickname that you don't like and you ask your friends not to call you that, then if they call you that, that's just really rude. Yeah. It, it's really juvenile and it's really rude. Uh, and it, if that's even just a nickname, like yeah. nobody has the right to like come up to you. I, I assume you identify as straight for this analogy. I'll, I'll go with that. But no, nobody has the right to come up to you, Phil, and say, nope, I see you as gay. You're gay. And I'm just going to call you gay all the time. Like, that's just rude. <laughs> yeah. um, or to be like, you know, uh, Phil, um, that's probably short for Philip, right? Like, what's on your birth certificate? Mm. I'm going to call you Philip because that's what your mother called you. And I'm just going to, you know what? The Lord gave you that name and I'm just going to call you that. It's just really, really weird. Yeah. Um, just use the name and pronouns that the person uses for yeah. themselves. Um, if you want to just be a decent human being. Yeah. Uh, a couple other bullet points, like acknowledge that you're learning, you know, acknowledge that you say, you know, I want to hear your story, I want, or whatever it is, you know, I want to learn more, but acknowledge, like, I might say something that's, like, you know, really Mm -hmm. ignorant, or, you know, really upsetting, and and let me know, I'm open to, like, knowing that, because although I I I want to use, like, um, language, or I want to speak in a way that's respectful of you, Mm -hmm. and I think just opening that up, letting the person know, at the same time, don't put a ton of pressure on them to educate you. Like you said, mm-hmm. there's so many resources mm-hmm. out there, even purely only from like gay Christians, if that's what you want to look at as homosexuality in a Christian context. So many YouTube videos, so many, there are books, there's, you know, there's everything. Um, 
So do put in the effort of educating yourself. It's okay to ask some questions, but like, it's really common. Like we've sat down with pastors and stuff like this and they're basically like, okay, so justify yourself to me. That's kind mm. of what they're asking for. That's really not a peer connection. It's not. There's this thought that it's like, well, we're just two equal people that just disagree with each other. And we yeah. have a conversation about this topic we disagree with, but for them, it is a, uh, it's theology. It's, it's theology. It's this theoretical concept that doesn't actually touch their lives the same way it touches ours. Yeah. And so it's like one party has all of the power and the other party has all of the vulnerability. Yeah. And yeah. it is not an equal exchange. It is not fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel equal um, or even. So like if you're the person that's in that position kind of with all the power, you're the cisgender straight person that's like asking the questions then doing what you can to try and level the playing field mm-hmm. to admit that you know you admit that you're learning admit that there's things you don't know admit that like you know you acknowledge the fact that you're asking really vulnerable questions and give them permission yeah. you're like you know what if i'm asking yeah. questions that are just wrong like please just yeah. tell me not and like i, yeah. I don't i don't want to yeah. do that to you the thing is we don't expect anyone to walk into this immediately understanding everything and no one wants disrespectful yeah. Um, I think a lot of people would say like offensive and it's like offensive is really just a way to paint over like you're hurting someone's feelings or you're asking them questions it's really inappropriate like people ask transgender people all the time like well have you had the surgery which is basically asking what genitals do you have and it's yeah, like, what's no. your- <laughs> it's like oh, ask them that back all of a sudden they realize how inappropriate that is yeah of course like, yeah and it's just they just haven't thought of it yet and so you know like being open to correction um and and being challenged yeah. Um, kind of levels that a little bit because it says I'm actually here to learn. I'm not just here to like make a judgment about you. Yeah. Because often people that are not affirming will come into that conversation and it feels like I'm already, I already don't believe that you're equal to me and that you need to go to hell, that you deserve to go to hell for yeah. who you are or whatever, what you're doing. But I, I want to like be sure about it. So I'm going to come in here and like talk to you about your experience. And it's like, mm-hmm. you've already, you're coming in with this presupposition and it's like, are you really looking to learn? Or are you just like literally here to judge me? Because it, you can kind of feel that, you know, versus other conversations we've walked into with people going, I know I'm going to say things that are like horrible and I'm sorry in advance and, and please let me know. But I'm like, I really yeah. want to learn. And often it's people that already have a level of relationship with us. And that's why they're willing to talk to us because they yeah. say, I've always been non-affirming, but then I know you and, and, and I love you. I don't want to lose that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you seem like you're, you're good people. And, and so it's kind of challenging their mindset often, like for people, that's what makes them question at least whether maybe it's not as black and white as the thought yeah. is to actually know someone and have a relationship with someone. And then they come out and then all of a sudden they go, Whoa, I, you know, I always, the narrative that we tell ourselves in the church about queer people is that they're just these like really insecure depraved kind of shaky and and demon possessed teenagers having sex in nightclub bathrooms and when you when you've never actually like really known somebody that's queer you can just keep passively kind of buying into that narrative and then all of a sudden like one of your best friends is like oh actually I'm a part of that community and your your mind is blown you're like wait you don't fit the narrative that I've been told yeah makes me have to take a take a second look that means revisit yeah yeah revisit it cool so two last things real quick okay go for it yeah have clarity in that individual relationship be willing to walk in and say you know i don't think i think that this is like you know biblical or whatever you're at be very like gentle in it the Mm. thing is if you're coming to a person that is like i'm i'm gay and i'm a christian or maybe they're not a christian like i'm I'm gay or i'm trans or whatever 
and you're coming in and asking to hear their story, then at the very least you can do is to say, this is where I'm at and this is why I wanted to talk to you and be honest about it. And the thing is, if you very firmly believe that they're going to hell because they're gay or they're trans, that mm. should be for you to say. That shouldn't be a thing that just rolls off the tongue like, well, you're going to burn and da 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 Shouldn't that be painful for you? Shouldn't that be like a burden that you're carrying to say, I want to have a relationship with you and yet I think that you're going to go to this place and be tortured forever? That should be like, that should hurt if you actually love the person. So if you're going to say yeah. love is sin or hate the sin, that should be a burden that you're carrying that I am like so sad that like I think this is going to happen to you, but I, I still want to be connected to you and yeah. I don't want to beat you over the head with this. I want to actually understand your experience. And then the other thing is something that Brie pointed out earlier, which is there's this whole passage in Matthew where, you know, it sounds like what Jesus is saying is here's the people that are going to go to hell and the people that aren't. And, the, and, and he says, I was, you know, hungry and you didn't feed me and I was a stranger and you didn't invite me in. And, you know, I was sick and you didn't visit me. And the thing Brie pointed out is he also says, and I was in prison and you didn't visit me. And then he says, and if, you know, if you didn't do this to the least of these, then you didn't do it for me. And you're going to go to eternal torture kind of is the vibe um, uh, that most people would interpret it with. And so it's like, Brie's pointing out with that earlier, like, they're in prison. So presumably, at least some of them probably did something wrong. Right. Most of those other examples, like being hungry, needing clothing, like we're really in the in the church. We're really good at taking care of those people. We'll have a yeah. soup kitchen. We'll have a clothes uh, closet. Um, we try, you know, because we assume, well, you're you didn't do that on purpose. Like this is a bad thing that's happened to you, and we'll we'll, we'll jump it's in. It's not and, your fault. And it's yeah, it's not your fault. You're not bad people. You just need help, and we can help you. But then with the with the example example Jesus is giving of you know you, i was in prison and he didn't visit me it's like that kind of breaks that assumption yeah. that yeah. you're wow. blameless <laughs> you know it's like it, jesus is actually putting himself with the people in prison yeah. yeah so it's like if you think that that being gay or being trans is just a choice there's no there's no thing of like i'm just being triggered who i am even if that's the case it's like we're not just called to care for people we agree with or people yeah. we see as blameless we're called to care for everyone Mm-hmm. yeah right? it's really good everyone is, is a brother or sister everyone is a sibling and it's like we're called to care for all of those people and that was so important to jesus that he talks about like mm-hmm. the poor and the widows and orphans like i think it's two thousand times in scripture and homosexuality is in the bible like six times so it's like <laughs> you know if you've got jesus's main thing being care for the people that are being oppressed mm-hmm. lgbtq people are being oppressed you know in some countries yeah. they're uh, thrown in concentration camps during um yeah the whole Nazi like regime, they literally like humiliated, tortured, and slaughtered gay men. Um, you know, there's all of these stories that we don't hear growing up in the church. Mm. Um, and today, you know, we've got all of these homeless youth that are queer. Um, we've got a lot of people that are murdered because they're trans, like all of these different things. And a lot of that happens at the hands of Christians. Yeah. Right? And we might say, well, they're, they're extreme and they're whatever and, and brush it off, but it doesn't even matter. Even if it wasn't Christians doing it, we're still called to care for those people. And what I don't see the church doing when they're not affirming is caring for queer people. Mm. It's like, you shouldn't need to agree yeah. with the fact that they're like, I'm gay or I'm trans or whatever to care for them. You can say like, you know, with that theology, you might be able to say like, well, they did that to themselves. <laughs> which I don't agree with at all, but you could say that about theology, but you could also say that about the prisoners. Yeah. Well, they put themselves in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, if Jesus was willing to say, I am the prisoner that you didn't visit. Yeah. If you He's that, identifying with them. <laughs> then it's like, 
And it's like, should that not also be true for people that are part of the queer community? Yeah, wow, that's really good. So can I just um, add one thing and maybe you want to speak into, uh, I don't know, but the other thing that's striking me as well is I don't have relationship with any human on the planet because they're straight. Um, <laughs> like I, now I'm thinking about it. Right. Um, and yeah, I can imagine many people inspired even by our talk will go, Oh, I want to go make a gay friend, you know, just so I can like, you know, do that well or whatever. But the, I guess the point is I'm, I, my straightness isn't who I am at the end of the day. Right. I want people to know about my hopes, my dreams, my passions, my, my philosophies, my ideas, my all sorts of different stuff. And at times, yeah, that will involve the fact that I'm straight. That will definitely inform that. Um, but I imagine that you guys want to be known as something more than just being bi or queer. You know, it's like, oh, you actually also run a business or, oh, you also like, you know, want to be a mom or, oh, you also, you know, whatever these different ideas are, you know, oh, you, you, you know, you really love this flavor of chips or I don't know, right? <laughs> Me too, you know, and you get excited. I don't know. I get excited when people like the same flavor of chips as I do. Um, but I guess that's a big thing as well is, is in this whole dynamic, it's a, this whole relationship isn't geared around this one thing. This is a personal relationship and you know, you are a thousand things as well as, you know, yeah. gay, straight, bi, queer, you know, whatever it might be. Um, I don't know if you want to touch on that or go into that or if that's yeah. just a, I think one of the biggest misconceptions that the church often has about queer people is that the reason we, we identify, you know, the, at the beginning of this conversation, we said how we identify, mm -hmm. right? But that's not because it's like, that is who I am, but rather because it's, it's context, mm -hmm. right? For us to share our stories about how we've experienced the church and disrespect and things like that and the way that people look at our marriage and, and all that kind of stuff, it's important to give that context. So like one thing is like a way I might tell people is when Bray and I met, you know, I was still identifying as a woman. I had a different name. People were calling me she, her. And so it's like people saw us as a lesbian couple. And I know that even now, you know, using a different name and, and being he, him, being like I am a trans man, people are still going to see us as a lesbian couple, but just me extra confused or something mm. like that. You know? And so that's why we refer to our relationship as like as gay or queer yeah. and wet. Um, because part of it is just, we understand that from the lens of the church, it's just like, we were both assigned female birth, so it doesn't matter. That's a same-sex relationship. No. So, um, but it, yeah, it gives context to our stories. But the thing is, we get really sick of talking about like <laughs> being queer, you know, in so many ways. And yeah. the fact that I can't safely use like a public restroom, I'm done with that. I'm over it. Like, it's not exciting to like have to worry about that. It, there's nothing that, you know, like, and part of it is the, the whole pride thing. Mm. Owning who you are when you've been oppressed is, is a way to reclaim the term. So queer used to be used yeah. as a slur, and now it's often used by the queer community to say, no, like, queer mm. means, like, quirky and, and interesting, you know, and it's, it's you know, we're, we're choosing to use that to describe ourselves, and it's like, they see in the reclaiming of that, um, when you don't understand what it's like to have something used as a slur against you and everyone mm -hmm. that's like you, and then to take that back and say, no, this is ours, actually. You don't get to call us that. And if you call us that, it's like, oh, well, that's a good thing. Um, pride comes from saying, I'm going to love who I am, even if you don't. And it's not a thing of saying, this encapsulates everything about me. If pride was every day, it's just <laughs> exhausting. Like, there's so much more, like, you know, the way that people talk about, like, the gay agenda. It's like, people joke about, you know, well, today I got up and I brushed my teeth and I... 
I made breakfast and yeah. I drank some tea and that's the game. played with my dog and picked up the kids from school. And it's like, I think people get this idea that our life is so different from theirs. And it's like, you know, I run a couple of businesses. So the term lifestyle, I have yes. a major problem yeah. with that. Like, well, that's I, just, just I don't, no, I love gay people. I just disagree with that lifestyle. Lifestyle. Yeah. See, yeah. We live the same kind of lives as straight people. We yeah. do the same sorts of things. We're not like inherently different, which is what that's kind of implying is that wow. it changes everything about the your life. The majority of the experience that we have of life that's different from someone who's not queer is because of the way we're treated by the church. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's like we, you know, there's nothing that we're really doing that's that different. Like mm -hmm. there's little things like I have hormone injections that I do once a week, but it's like, so do some cisgender guys because their testosterone levels are low. You know, it's like mm -hmm. there's nothing that's yep truly like wow it's so different about our life mm -hmm. and so it's it's to to treat it as if it's like this monolithic thing and it's really you're treating someone as a stereotype right it's like yeah. you're sitting down and you're not seeing everything about them you're just kind of mm -hmm. painting them in this broad stroke and i think i think being able to even like a great example is in those conversations if you sit down with someone and you're asking their story ask some other questions about their life mm -hmm. yeah. like do you actually care about other things in their life besides that mm -hmm. maybe offer up something of your own be vulnerable in return don't just like draw and draw and draw because that costs us so much. Yeah, um, it, it's, a, it's really anxiety provoking to talk to someone that has a lot of power that we're trying to convince we're equally valuable to them so that in their institution, they, they value us. It, it's like, get, you know, be vulnerable, make it like, be lighthearted, be, you know, yeah. and, and share Exchange that. Exchange stories. Yeah. Don't just make that. Don't just interrogate them. Yeah. Um, That's yeah. really good. Really the other good. thing that you said about how a lot of people might run out and try and find a, a, a gay best friend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, if you don't have somebody in your life already that you're already trying to build a relationship with, then that would be kind of weird to just like yeah. find someone on Facebook. Are you gay? Can we have coffee? <laughs> that would be kind of weird. Uh, but there is a wealth of resources on the internet, on YouTube, um, people yeah. sharing their stories. And that is a really, really, really great place to start. We say yeah. educate yourself, and that makes it sound like it's doing homework. But I mean, yeah. literally sitting down and having coffee with somebody and letting them share, share their story, that can kind of happen through YouTube, where people That's have awesome. literally put that out there for you yeah. to um, to hear, hear their story. So I That's was starting. So, so like, let's let's talk about that because um, so I, I know we're we're running out of time, and so um, you guys have put together lots of resources like this, right? You guys have put together, and so if people want to um, get in touch with you, connect with what you're um, helping facilitate, educate, because um, you're doing a lot of great stuff in helping Christians navigate this, whether they themselves are find themselves LGBTQ or they are trying to understand this whole world. You, you have a lot of great stuff, don't you? So where can people find that sort of stuff? So backendbrie.com, um, which okay. I don't know if you want show notes you can add, but that's just- Yeah, I will do, yeah. A-N-D-B-R-E.com. Um, that's our kind of hub. Um, I have over a hundred things that I still need to add to that. We have a list um, that's not published. <laughs> yeah. We just kind of like redid the whole site to make it a lot better, um, just easier to navigate, things like that. Yeah. Um, some key things you'll find on there. If anyone wants to read that open letter that we wrote, mm. um, that's on there. We also have a page where we collected, um, like you mentioned, um, there was this sermon that was done a lot more recently that then got taken down. Um, and in response to that, before it was taken down, we actually collected letters from a bunch of LGBTQ plus alumni that we're in a private group with that wrote letters to anyone that's at Bethel right now. Mm. Heard that and might've felt like, you know, really grieved by it, you know, really, mm -hmm. really hurt. And that, you know, just all these like processing all this stuff. Cause we, we went through a lot within our group. 
um, when that came out. And so it's mm-hmm. like to, to kind of reach out to those people and say, hey, I know we don't know who you are right now or what you're going through. Maybe you're just questioning, you know, whatever, but like we see you. And, yeah. and, you know, you're valuable and you're loved and you're amazing. And, and so we share, we should have a page as well where you can read some of those letters and we, we have a very quick thing where we just, some of them kind of go into their own stories a little bit yeah. too. So that's really mm. good. Yeah. So it's other, other stories. We literally have a page that's beckandbrie.com slash stories with lots of stories on it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know about you guys. I love to read a story. You know, I, I read a lot of theology in my, my day to day, but I love reading a story. It just, it's life through it. You consume it. And so that's great. So what about um, people that are looking for um, some theology? And I know that wasn't the topic of this podcast. Maybe we can have you come on and talk about that again. Maybe we can have you come on and talk about something that isn't LGBTQ oriented. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm realizing like uh, part of the problem. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, as far as theology goes, you mentioned Unclobber, uh, a book yeah. and some... That's a, it's a book and it's also a series. So there's six clobber verses, as they're called. Um, clobber passages. Clobber really. passages. Some um, of them are a couple of verses. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's only six places in scripture that could be said to mention homosexuality. And basically, he goes through those in his book really well. I actually haven't read that, but I, I read like uh, I read some of it online. Yeah, um, I watched at least one of the videos. But he has, he has a video... Uh, it might be six, but maybe he puts a couple into one because they're very similar. Yeah. But he goes through them like an hour each mm. and just really gently unpacks it. And he, it's wow. very, not like I'm going to be over the head with my interpretation. It's yeah. very like just exploring together. Here's some of what I learned about history and the context. Yeah. And so those are really well done. Um, and then I'm actually putting together a piece right now that's sort of just a summary of the different things I found on the verses so people can just read through something just because a lot of people have just never heard another interpretation. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, there's not, there isn't just like the gay version of understanding the no. verses. It's yeah. like, well, this is how the queer community interprets it. It's yeah. literally, there's lots of different ways to look at it, a lots of different thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, so it's like, we're kind of just presenting it like, here you go. You different views. You need to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Lots of theologians and lots of people that, you know, like some, some people might, um, some people might literally say, well, this stuff's Old Testament from the Levitical Holiness Code, and we don't follow that anyway. We don't, we mm. still, we, we do all these things, we wear mixed fabric, so that's irrelevant. And then the other bit is all from Paul, who we don't listen to on, like, a lot of other things. He also called, like, uh, you know, I think either growing your hair out or not cutting it, or, or cutting it, but it was, like, unnatural. <laughs> the same word that he said, you know, same-sex relations were unnatural. So it's like, you know, there's yeah. a lot of people that it's very simple, mm-hmm. and then that's it. And those other people go way, 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 way into it. And so it just depends. Some people want that very quick, just like, hmm, we I want to think about that other alternative. I don't think we really included the conspiracy theory level kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, in the 17th century, the Bible was edited by this person. No, oh, there yeah. is everything, I'm sure, but yeah. Yeah, we didn't okay. really that sort of thing, but oh, yeah. That's cool. So great. So people, if they want to connect with you, can check out Beck and Bree, so that's B-E-C-K and B-R-E.com. And yeah. uh, slash stories, slash resources, you know, just yeah. click around on that website and each page is going to be great. Um, yeah. And, and we'll, we'll definitely have you back on as well. I'd love to go into more. Maybe um, we might do a, I, I love the idea of doing a question and answers and I, I, I don't want to yeah. grill you or anything, but I, I feel like lots of people will have questions and, and you guys are just such a safe place because this is the thing as well. 
there's, there's a lot of people um, that probably would go, oh, well, the homosexual community aren't safe drugs. They're, they're very aggressive towards us. Or and I, I think that's funny, right? I mean, I think that's really, really, f like in a very sad way as well. You know, it's the laugh yeah. or cry option. But like, but I, I think, you know, a lot of people probably do feel, oh, I don't have a way to ask questions when I'm reading online, but I just don't understand Especially something. Especially when you're afraid to ask it the wrong way. Yeah, exactly. Because they've been so wounded already, mm -hmm. that just yeah. one thing over the edge is too much. So we, we, we'd love to have you back for that as well yeah sorry yeah um I was saying we have quite a bit of grace for that like where you're yeah. you're gay best and, friend you know yeah. i want to thank you guys as well because you know the truth is you you guys have navigated and and uh, one of the things that stood out to me the most when i read your letter was like these guys have been to bethel you know like you you were, you were respectful you were honoring you were kind you were gracious you know you just exuded these these qualities um and what i, I want to thank you for is for believing in the church, for you know, believing in God's family and going, we don't want to just go, they've turned their back on us, we're done. You've gone, yeah. no, actually, there's something here that we want to, on some level, um, protect and believe in and, and be a part of. And, and so thank you for allowing people space to engage, allowing um, people to the, the opportunity and have, giving them the grace to grow at their own pace, which we all we need to do, you know, no one likes change and uh, we all change at different paces. And so yeah. thank you so much for that. Cause honestly, um, it's blessed me so much. Um, you know, I, I've learned so much from both of you and um, it's helped me in, in the way that I communicate to people of different uh, um, sexual or gender identities. Uh, that's, that's been so helpful for me. And I think it will be very helpful to people that are listening to this. And so really, really thank you guys. Um, yeah, thank you, thank yeah, you yeah. so much for uh, letting us speak on your podcast and for making room for this conversation. It's so yeah. important and it takes a certain level of bravery to be the one to make that space. Yeah. So thank Especially you. Especially when you know so that much. people are going to disagree, you know, and, mm -hmm. like, yeah. we're talk that's, about on the old podcast, which obviously got destroyed, but it's like you lost a lot of people that that were interested in listening to you just for sharing that letter. <laughs> as, as I did. Peaceful as it was, right? It 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 was very controversial, and it's yeah. like this. I think is what it looks like for someone that has a level of influence and and power to say it's more important to me to make sure that other people's stories are being told and to hold on to that. Yeah, and, so, and that's what this podcast is about. It's not about. Um, to be honest, it's not the field rights show. What I believe is absolutely irrelevant. And, and in fact, what the listener believes is irrelevant as well. It's, I want people that come on and say, here's a different view of something or here, let's talk about the five different views of this. And so I really appreciate you creating space for people to be exposed to different views because there are countless Christians that identify as LGBTQ plus and whether you like them identifying as that or identifying as Christian, they yeah. do. Um, and so, yeah, that's great. Thank you so much guys. I really, really appreciate it. Um, yeah. yeah love you guys. Okay. So that was Beck and Brie Hanan. And honestly, I love talking with them. I love their heart. I love how gracious they are, how um, open they are, how loving they are. And, um, you know, really wherever you land on that spectrum we talked about um you know to me that is really not the important thing that is not the the the, the main issue um I, I would hope that you would still find yourself going I, I i need to love people i need to engage with them i need to come alongside them and, and i think there's some really great keys and tips in how to do that well respectfully lovingly um, and so I encourage you just, um, if you need to re-listen to portions of it, go do that. Um, or maybe check out some of the resources that they have. Um, again, it was Beck and Bree, so B-E-C-K and 
Bree, B-R-E.com. Um, and there's some really helpful stuff on there. And you know what? You're going to find stuff you disagree with. You're going to find stuff that stretches you, but that's good. And, and we've said that again and again on this podcast in my ministry. Um, my goal is not to expose you to people that you 100% agree with because you'll never grow. You'll never change. Um, and so even if you strongly disagree with um, where uh, Beck and Bree have come down on, on the topic theologically, it's a great idea to engage with this more because if you're right, um, you're going to strengthen your, 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 your knowledge, your opinions, your views. And if you're wrong, you're going to let go of some lies and embrace some truth. And so I love questioning. You know, that's what we're about here. We love to question what we believe so that we can become stronger so that we can get deeper in the truth. Um, and we trust that Holy Spirit leads us. We trust that Holy Spirit speaks to us and guides us. And so may Holy Spirit be your guide as you navigate this. Um, you know, I'm sure I'm going to get lots of emails, lots of messages about this. If you have questions, genuine questions, please shoot me a message. I'd love to engage you um, with this. Um, and so, yeah, I, I bless you. Um, I, I'm thankful that you managed to make it this far and listen the whole way. And, and well done for that, especially if this is a topic that you feel very passionately about and disagree with um, Beck and Bree on that. Um, well done. Well done for listening so well. Well done for being intentional. Um, yeah, I, I bless you guys and I'll see you for the next podcast. Have a good one.